Welcome to Documentary Photography Review with me, Chris King, and co-presenter Rebecca Enderby. Together we interview documentary photographers who have explored stories local to them. And in this episode, we speak to Jonathan Goldberg, who's been documenting the transition time movement here in the UK. We focus on Jonathan's most recent body of work, Grow Heathrow, which documents life within the self-reliant community near Heathrow Airport in London. We discuss Jonathan's projects and personal interests in environmental and social justice issues, as well as his evolution and experiences as a professional photographer. Show notes with information on Jonathan, his work, and links to the people, places and events mentioned during the podcast can be found at documentaryphotoreview.com forward slash podcasts and just navigate to the page for Jonathan's podcast. While you're there, do check out the rest of the website where you will find an ever-growing selection of work from documentary photographers from across the globe. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and to those of you who have shared it with others via Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. We are very grateful for all the support and encouragement and we continue to strive to refine the production and distribution of the podcast. And now for a conversation with Jonathan Goldberg. Enjoy. Hello and welcome and thank you for joining us today. I was just wondering if we can start off by asking you how you got involved in photography um, and how you've kind of evolved as a photographer over the years to get to where you are today. I've been involved with photography since I was 13 and I got my first serious camera and then I took a foundation course in art and design and realised that photography just came easier to me. So I went to university in Brighton and that was 15 years ago now. So I've been freelancing and doing my uh, work work and personal work as well for that amount of time. And in terms of personal work, I feel like I've been addressing that more in the last sort of four years maybe, with more kind of fervour and determination uh, and just trying to keep the commissioned work coming as well, just to make a living out of that. Right. So do you make a living totally out of photography? I, I do, yeah. yes. Yeah, I've got some regular clients. That's great. It's hard, yeah, hard work. It, 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 well, it feels like... Um, it is hard work, but it's kind of all, all I know yeah. these days, and uh, there's a sense of satisfaction from doing that, I have to say. And how was your experience of, um, photo- did you study photography at Brighton? I did, yeah. 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 And how, how was that experience, how did it shape your kind of approach uh, to photography? I think it shaped it quite, um, uh, in, in quite a, well, it g- gave me a lot of uh, enthusiasm, and it gave me, gave me a lot of direction, actually, because I really enjoyed one particular lecturer who was Photographer who works for Magnum called Mark Power, oh, yeah. okay. and I like his style of photography and like his his style matches his personality. So I think it's quite gentle and it's quite thoughtful, and I enjoyed having tutorials from Mark. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I would say that, that that photography course didn't really prepare one for the for the real world, and so it's it's quite a shock. I'm sure it's it's for most graduates to come out in the real world, especially when you're when you're faced with. Uh, Making money, working for yourself, potentially. And did you did you leave with the desire to explore documentary photography in particular, or was your interest elsewhere? Um, I think it was my desire to make a living, actually, out of photography, right. and how, however I could really. And the easiest route, 
that appeared to me was through a local newspaper. Mm -hmm. So I worked for local. I have worked for local newspapers for many years. Okay. And that was obviously a really good grounding in terms of discipline. <laughs> and you know, if you made a mistake at local newspaper level, you could get a real big ticking off. But at least you could move on from it and mm -hmm. prove that you could make yourself a bit better. Mm -hmm. And. Yeah, but I tried to, um, initially I tried to do my own personal work as well in addition to commissioned work and that was I just really, I, to be honest, I think I was a bit overawed by approaching people and the, the whole kind of notion of trying to sell oneself at that age and at that kind of level where, where I was in terms of photography, I found it very, that's a word, very overwhelming really. Mm -hmm. So I think I just got on with commissions as much as I could and did my own personal work on the side, but it, I don't know if it really came to much. It was more, more a kind of you know, internal learning process, I think. Mm. And was your personal work always sort of local projects? It, wa it wasn't always. In fact, in fact it was the opposite, because um, I was obsessed by um, bus stops uh, at first, my first big personal projects, and people waiting for the bus, and I, I uh, developed that in London. And then I thought, well, wouldn't this be great if uh, I did the same thing in different countries? So yeah. I went to parts of Italy, went to Rome, for example, took a picture of um, some nuns waiting outside a, a bus with some lipstick on the side of it and did a kind of funny street photography style. And then, uh, yeah, I just went all, the, all over the world, but it was kind of an excuse to travel as well because I was <laughs> yeah. at that stage where I wanted to travel a lot. So the, to answer your question, the, um, the local, it's more recently that I've, I've felt it's important to really document what's happening locally and explore what's happening on my own doorstep with my interest in sustainability. It kind of goes with the notion of keeping local to, to address these issues. Yeah, yeah. So in this case, was it that you w were looking for projects that were local to you or did these projects come to you then, the ones we're about to talk about, transition towns and... Heathrow? Um, it was more a case of being, being very interested in the issues that, took, that brought me to the local area, to documenting the local area and what's near to me. So I became interested in sustainability issues and then uh, transition towns specifically and I realised that there was this, this wonderful um, network around me called Transition Kensal to Kilburn which is one particular transition town and they were undertaking projects which um, were on a, obviously on a local level and they were engaging and involving local people and some of them, I think I first met them actually in a, in a festival and they were juicing apples and it was very very interactive experience so they were asking people around the festival just, just to help them juice apples and then they could sample what was available from local apple trees mm -hmm. and so my interest in that took me to their other projects and I'd always have a camera with me and, and I basically they're very well um, involved in the internet and they, there's lots of documentation about projects that are going on all the time within different transition towns. Mm -hmm. I should perhaps say what transition town is, it's a, it's a sort of grow, growing movement, it's been going for about five or six years. Started out in uh, started started in the southwest, and it's just basically uh, response. It's it's kind of a local level response to climate change and the economic crisis all in one. And it's sort of 
has spawned a whole movement, not just in Britain, but around the world. And the idea is for people, obviously, to, to kind of make a, make a bottom-up approach to saving the world, ultimately, yeah. and being, living more sustainably. And so I thought it was just um, interesting, interesting to document this, and important as well, because I think as a lot of photojournalists have come out of college and they want to change the world, and my particular stance isn't really going to, to wars, because I don't think I'm going to solve anything by doing that, but I like, to, I like the idea of supporting, promoting what these people are doing. Through their through their actions, mm-hmm. you kind of find out about transition times in the festival. You kind of uh, made contact with people in Kensal uh, to Kilburn, mm. so that's how you gained yeah. access to that first community. Mm-hmm. And how did you how did it evolve from there? Like, how did you kind of explore other communities that were doing the same thing, and, and why did you mm-hmm. choose the ones that you did? From from there, it evolved by um, as I say, going on to the internet and seeing what interesting projects were going on. And I think quite, quite close to, to the beginning, there was a, a guy that put on a, a post on one of the transition sites that he was going to do some foraging uh, on the Essex coast, looking for something called Sampha, mm-hmm. which is like a sea asparagus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there were, and so I just turned up, I said, I said I'm coming. They didn't expect me to bring my big uh, Mamiya camera equipment and be the, be the star of a photography project. Yeah. So I was a bit surprised, but uh, there were four or five of them. We went along and um, I thought this was great. I really was excited by the fact that people were just doing these uh, things, basically connecting with nature. It's a big part of it. Um, connecting with each other in a way that wasn't really a way that was going on previously so I just I, I enjoyed the uh, the sort of community mm-hmm. in that day there were like five of us that were going on a train and we were all heading for this um, rare sea vegetable that only comes once once a year you know it's, it's sort of in its best condition in around about May mm-hmm. June right, okay. so I it's learned delicious. Yeah. yeah, it's expensive as well. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Well, once a year, yeah. <laughs> it's limited uh, and, we, and we were carrying these great big plastic bags and stuff back, wow. back right. to London and uh, neighbours were very uh, thrilled to, to be offered some yeah. as well. So I got some quite different uh, photos from that expedition, very different from the, the city mm. shots of you know, the sort of for- foraging on trees and so on. And then that project just grew from there, and I just—I I think I was noticing quirky things that were going on, and there's and and bigger things as well going on with the transition movement just mm-hmm. within London. So, for example, there's a money that Transition Brixton have got their own currency. Yeah. Mm. So that's quite a big thing, and that's a really really important thing within the Brixton community. You know, they're really pr- promoting the growth of Brixton and the success of Brixton. Is that initiative going well, the Brixton Pound? It's very, well, I think the, the alternative currency must be going well because it keeps popping up in different towns. I think the latest one was in Bristol, the yeah, la- I was latest say, launch. Because I'm from Bristol, there's uh-huh. also, yeah, there is a Bristol Pound, yeah. 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 And I don't know how, how big a thing it is at the moment. Mm. Mm. But I think it must be doing reasonably well. I think so, some of these initiatives get grants mm in order to promote promote the currency because it's I mean it's motives are to try and promote the community and try and promote the the economy of the, of the local area and, yeah. and also just to get people aware of 
how important it is to get people to, to sort of shop locally. Yes, yeah, so it's obviously. a currency that can only be spent in that area, isn't it? And yeah. do the shops have to sign up to be part of it, or can yes. it be spent anywhere in that area? Yeah, shops have to, have right. to sign up. Uh, and the wonderful thing that Brixton have done, actually, they give, they give people like a 10% off if they do it by phone, so they can uh, sort of text, text the payment when they're in the shop. So you, were, you had a desire to kind of document the, the breadth of the activities that were being carried out within yeah. transition times and, I think and the I movement wanted, as a whole. Mm. I think I wanted to tell, yeah. tell the story and document how, how it was all going and how this relatively new movement was, was um, you know, becoming more widespread. And, and you yourself are a transition town member, you're actively involved with it. Yeah. yeah. What have you been your experiences with that? And How's it shaped your sort of photography? Does it give you more access to people? Do you think? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Mm. I think it's um, well. I think I think generally for me, I, I'm quite curious, and I go go to places with a camera, and then I, I sort of become what I take pictures of <laughs> sometimes. Mm -hmm. You became a transition town member after you started the project. Around about the same time, around really. About the same time. Yeah, yeah. but I certainly am into similar things as to what transition towns do yeah so uh, and um, I think that that kind of enthusiasm shows in the way I act with other transition town members so they're they're comfortable with what I'm doing because it's clearly for the right motives you know I, I suppose it's because I'm promoting what they're, they're doing mm -hmm. so there's no not too much of an issue with trust in that situation have you ever experienced an issue with with trust uh, there were certain transition uh, initiatives that I went to like there was one which was a sort of meditation group and they were a bit reluctant to have me on there but I thought this is this is really different from anything else I've photographed so I had to really persist in getting access to this meditation group what was the reluctance um, I think people are sometimes just a bit reluctant to be photographed mm. and especially if they're doing something that's very personal mm. to them in the uh, in the event that was some pretty uninteresting pictures because the light was really up uh, I was really up against the light and mm. there wasn't too much action to speak of so <laughs> and as I said they were a bit reluctant so I yeah. couldn't really move move them around and you know like mm. I sometimes do right rearrange the furniture <laughs> yeah. but your, your style is one that's quite photojournalistic so it is something that is kind of capturing the moment and and the activity and and yeah it's documenting that breadth of interests and, and activities that are undertaken within the transition time movement and was that a conscious choice to, to take that approach rather than more kind of um, considered posing and, and uh, focusing on individuals and, and characters was it your desire to more kind of document the activities themselves than the individuals? Yeah, it, it was my desire and I think that that c comes or came more naturally to me. I've always been more of a traditional reportage photographer than, than, than someone who likes to sort of set things up. But uh, having said that, I think that's changing a little bit. But when, mm. I, when I undertook this project, it was much more reportage and I was just really genuinely so interested in what these people were doing. I, I sometimes think that, you know, bit of a cliche but the, the truth is stranger than fiction and to see these people doing uh, things that I hadn't necessarily seen before I thought it was worth showing yeah I thought it was quite fascinating yeah but it, it's quite a nebulous project because of its diversity and so have you have you kind of taken elements of it and, and created sub 
stories from it? Or have you just kind of kept it very general, like this is the transition time movement? Um, is that even I mean, something that you want to do? Yeah. Well, I think I wanted to keep it quite tight right. to, to make it just transition town movement. Mm -hmm. But I can see now that there are plenty of other, other directions in which I can take it. Yeah. For example, the community energy aspect of it, which, mm. which is one, another thing that's growing, growing at the moment and being talked about quite a lot, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a direction in which I might go. So, for example, there's, there's um, specifically there was a project on top of a roof in Brixton, in, in, on a bigger state, and they're at the third stage of developing, or installing, I should say, solar panels on, on a roof. And it's quite an interesting project because it really involves the whole community. So a lot of the people, the, the youth that are involved in it are actually, they're gaining experience into installing and also into sort of transforming people's minds on the estate about mm -hmm. what a solar panel is, how it's beneficial, how it's benefiting their community, mm -hmm. and therefore it kind of helps helps the initiative sell shares. And uh, you've obviously sort of been part of it actively, and you've obviously have a lot of uh, had a lot of prior information when you're doing the project. How do you think that kind of influences the work that you've done, having that knowledge? Or do you think sometimes it's useful to know a little bit less so that you sort of see things with new eyes and you get sort of surprised? So I don't know if that um, question was phrased very well, actually. I, I think <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 I think I was, I was very fresh to it and the whole concept was quite new to me when I first right, okay. sign, signed up, metaphorically speaking, and so in that respect the pictures would have, would have evolved, would have taken on a, diff a different feel as the project has gone. So at first it was all just very, like, it was just all new? And then mm -hmm. it just, in, as time's gone on that you've just sort of become more knowledgeable about the different activities? Yeah. And how do you think that's shaped the photographs you take, or hasn't it? Well, I think the project has still got the same feel th throughout. It's quite, it's, you know, sort of a documentary nature. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I think it's really helped to know more, to, to have gained more knowledge, and also to have got to know the people that are, that are involved a lot better, because it, it just gives me that intimacy with people, and they, they obviously trust the photographer when they see me around. Mm -hmm more so it's it's given me a lot more access and I think that that kind of transfers with getting better pictures really mm -hmm. much more intimate pictures mm. and you've said that reflecting on the work that you've amassed that there might be other stories that you would like to explore mm. uh, the, the community energy projects yeah. does that mean that this is an ongoing project do you think you will pursue those other potential avenues or do you think you'll just move on to something completely um, different? at the moment I'm thinking of something completely different but something quite similar as well right. so a different approach mm -hmm. not quite such a traditional documentary approach but something where I'm not being quite as representative and maybe even dare I say it uh, you know playing around with Photoshop a bit more and layering right. layering images right. but yeah. uh, also want to pursue the same theme of sustainability loosely right comparing the transition time work to your more recent body of work, the uh, Grow Heathrow. Mm. There you have kind of started taking more considered shots by the looks of it in terms of, you know, maybe semi-posed. Is that something that you that you wanted to explore? Is that something that you intentionally explored mm. to try and try something different? Yeah, there? yeah. So um, I think, uh, so, so Grow Heathrow was kind of a, a is, is in fact a transition town, but it's a bit more than that. So that whole project came out of the Transition Towns project and it started off with a fascination on the 
the whole living sustainability and then it got I got much more involved with it mm-hmm. and into different aspects of it such as the communal living together theme yep. which I think is very interesting and also became have, have developed more of an interest in portraits as well mm-hmm. so in that way the, the photos have been more considered and I've tried and also with the, the, the camera that kind of is a bit more beneficial if I'm slower mm-hmm. if I work slower because I'm using a medium format film camera so right. slow everything down a bit and taking more portraits and trying to just trying to set things up a bit more and trying to kind of slow down and be a bit more, bit more considered right yeah and not waste so much film <laughs> <laughs> Was that linked then to how you wanted to develop as a photographer? Is it also linked to the, the kind of message or feeling that you got from Grow Heathrow? Because in the information that you write, you do talk about it, there being sort of feelings of more isolation and the struggles they go through living there. Mm-hmm. And do you think that, because I feel that's quite reflected in the images, the way that the, yeah. sort of the, lights, the lighting used and the composition and contrasts. And so is that consciously linked to the sort of message of the project or is it more about your you want to develop as a photographer? Um, do you know, I think uh, I showed, I had a portfolio review of some, some of the Grow Heathrow pictures back in March and I was, I was given feedback for, by a couple of people to say I should really de- try and depict the struggle more because that, that would make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. And so that's specifically one, one of the specific things that I wanted to draw attention to. Uh, I think that worked actually in terms of ad- adding interest because it was perhaps all a bit kind of glossy and a bit happy and a bit sort of a u- utopian society, which I kind of think it is in a way, but obviously there's, there's difficulties associated with li- living there. But getting back to your question, uh, it, it certainly is my intention to, to be a bit more considered and generally t- to shoot more portraiture. Because the, the, the colours in the Grey Heathrow project are really nice. Mm. Yeah, they're really strong, they yeah. stand out to me. Yeah, very effective. Well, how come you choose to shoot in colour, and how did you get the colours out of, of the images yeah. as well? I think it's a nat- uh, just a natural instinct to shoot in colour because mm-hmm. I love I love colour. I love colour photography. I'm drawn, yeah, just really drawn to colour. I'm drawn to red for some reason. I've just noticed looking at the Heathrow pictures, there's quite a lot of red in a lot of them, a lot of the pictures, and I think it's just quite quite useful to have that. Maybe it's more of a fluke or a, a subconscious thing, but it's nice when they're all uh, united by a sort of colour likeness or, or colour likenesses. And I suppose within the editing process, then one picks out certain things that go well with each other, and that makes it more of a coherent project. Yeah, is it William Eggleston that's got a red series? I think so. All of his photos have something really red in them. I think I saw an exhibition. I think it was him. Yeah. Well, he uses yeah. the colour. He's, yeah. he's a master photographer. He is, yeah. 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 So do you self-edit? Just on the, you mentioned editing, so I'll yeah. go that. Yeah. yeah. And are you good at it? Hmm. I find it very difficult, actually, yeah. editing. And ideally, I'd like to do it more, do it with more with other people. And I have started, actually, I've belonged to, well, belonged to a group. It's just like four, four friends, basically. And we, we've met up a couple of times now, and we've had really involved engaging talks which are basically editing and ideas mm. uh, sessions and I think uh, I, I don't think I could get enough of that to be honest no I think it's a really important part of the process isn't it yeah sometimes difficult to hear perhaps like 
critique of your images, but yeah. really important. Yeah. And yeah. do you find that people really like images that you're not too sure about and, and the other way around, that you love images and people are like, no. Yeah, <laughs> all the time actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, it's important to have a bit of time between taking pictures and, and submitting them anywhere, I think, because that process can take, can be a kind of mental journey, can't it? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you realise you've got some classics just you know years after you've taken them. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why it's so important to have other people look over them. Mm. But um, uh, and these portfolio reviews yeah. that that one pays for, they can be quite useful as well. They can also be very costly. <laughs> Where did you get those? I, I went to one in Derby in March. That was right. part of the Quad Festival, yep. and that was it's quite interesting. And it and with that, it's kind of difficult to know what to take seriously but mm -hmm. if there's a few people that are addressing similar issues then it can be you can pick up signs mm -hmm. that you agree with so this editing or this exposure of your work to third parties you've done that throughout the project and allowed that to influence what you then go on to photograph afterwards or has it just been at the end of the project that you've done all your work you've got all your images mm. and then you've shown it to well, folk you mentioned with the Heathrow one that you went back didn't you to, to get more conflict yeah yeah yeah, yeah I went um, I went to um, if, so where, where I know these four friends from it's from a, an organized workshop called tripod and so I took my pictures there initially from Crow Heathrow and there were quite a few it, it was quite an intimate setting, so there were about five other photographers there and about three or four people from the sort of industry, grown-up people. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, there was feedback from that. So I'm struggling to remember what it was now, to be honest. But it, it, was, certainly, it was certainly enthusiastic, mm -hmm. but it was maybe get, get more engaged. And I think I've done that with, with Grow Heathrow's. You know, it wasn't. It, it was. It's been enjoyable, but it was quite challenging for me just to go go up to this place and show up with a camera, mm -hmm. as many people do. You know, but I think the um, the length of time I've spent there has has paid off in terms of taking more intimate pictures. So how long did you spend there, and, and did you well spend uh, like extended periods? There? Well, I did you live there for? I've um, two and a half years was when when I started the project. Right. Wow. So I've gone back. I went. Initially, I went back for maybe a, I went for a day or a day or so, and then I, I spent try and spend a night there so I can at least have like 24 hours in a place, and I feel a bit more part of the gang because that place is quite transitional in itself. A lot of people come and go, so right. it's good to good to spend a degree of time there and get and, and that's that's what enables you to pick up the atmosphere of the mm. place. I think mm. not just get, getting snaps. What were your experiences uh, staying there for a night? Cold in the winter, <laughs> yeah. really cold. I mean, I have a lot of admiration for people that can, can stick out a winter there because it's, a lot of it's based outdoors. Really inspiring people just pass through. Lots of different people uh, from different backgrounds, people that have been involved with, di with different activism projects, things I never would have, would have known about. And a lot of, quite a lot of confrontation actually happens there, as you'd expect in a, in a place where it's a commune and some people actually don't really go out of the, the gates right. for you know, several days or several days at a time. So they're just in amongst each other. Mm -hmm. Cabin fever, I believe they call that. Yeah. 
So it's it's not uncommon actually for a fight or an argument to break out. Mm. But in the body of work that you you've got up on your site, that actual conflict is is lacking. Obviously, that the struggle for them to kind of maintain their existence there is mm. is shown, but but. I don't believe that there's anything that shows conflict within the community itself. Mm. Is that a conscious thing, mm. or, or did it just happen? <laughs> no, not not or conscious. No, I mean, no. last time I was there, there was such a a big a uh, couple couple of people almost came to blows. Right. And I don't think it would have been appropriate for me, mm. still considered a visitor, even though I've been going there for for a length of time, just to poke my camera into that scene. So what you're what you're saying is quite a um, difficult thing to capture. It's, uh, it's an important observation. I'm not really sure how I would have, I would have done that. You think it would have impacted negatively on your relationship with the individuals there? You, you think you may have, mm. if you'd done that, you would be passing, uh, I, kind of crossing a line? I don't think it was my intention to show confrontation. I mean, to show struggle, yes. Hmm. And I think I've, I've done that in some of the pictures. Yeah. But no, it wasn't really my intention, maybe, maybe to have hinted at it right. is enough, yeah. really. And so is your, is your desire to simply kind of say, here's this community, here's how they live? Or is there kind of a, a bigger, obviously it feeds into the transition towns uh, movement and, and sustainability as a whole, but is there anything else that you wanted to communicate um, with this body of work? About Grow Heathrow specifically? Yeah. Um, do you know, I was thinking it could, could go on indefinitely and, I, and the way I was feeling is that I, I just was getting more becoming more comfortable there, more mm. intimate. And I like, I like the idea of taking more intimate portraits, con, you know, build, building up that set of photos. Yeah. And also the, where people live, I think it's very interesting because the, the guys that live there have been quite inventive with their, their dwellings and they always build them from found and recycled materials. So yeah. they, they tend to take on a, a life and characteristics of their own. Yeah. So that, that aspect is quite interesting. I find it's something that I could I could go back and photograph, and also just the, the sheer. If I go back in midwinter, I could I could take some more pictures of the snow as well. The other, the final thing is really if, if they get if they ever get kicked out, which has always been a, a, a threat for years because yeah. they're they're squatting after all, mm-hmm. and they've been given given eviction orders. So if they were to ever get kicked out, then that would be w- worth some pictures in itself. Yeah. Of course, I hope they don't they've built a, a wonderful community there. So um, in, in, in sort of taking more pictures of like, people, so portrait pictures, you're sort of moving into explore a little bit about the people that are there, right, sort of focusing in. And can you tell, tell us a bit about what kind of people were there, and the, the demographic, and, and also the people that are involved in the transition town? Um, it's about the sort of community in that sense, isn't it? So how does transition town work to kind of engage the community as a whole? And what kind of people are involved in both of these mm. sort of projects? Well, the transition town as a whole has been criticised because it's principally made up from sort of white middle-class people that are fairly well-off. Um, mm. I mean, that's not it's obviously not a conscious thing by it, conscious decision by anyone. It's just the way it sort of works out. Yeah. And mid- normally sort of middle-aged as well. But there's always exceptions, especially in you know in certain certain places such as Brixton, where the community is more it's more diverse anyway. And is uh, is it trying to do something to kind of bring in a, a more diverse group of people? Is it about sort of sort of access to the events or not having the time or? 
I think it. I just wonder what the barriers yeah, are. Yeah, maybe mm. maybe it's one of those things where a group of a certain uh, demographic of people tends to attract another yeah. similar demographic demographic people. But um, I think it's something that o over time, if the transition town movement continues to thrive, then it can attract more people with different diverse backgrounds, especially if they if they thrive in you know cos cosmopolitan cities like they are. Yeah, I suppose it would be just, it, it would be important for them to try and understand what the barriers were to, to people not coming in, mm. right, yeah, and how True. different activities or things might encourage different groups of people. Yeah. Yeah. So in one of your images there's a picture of a girl, I think it's at the craft fair, mm. and in the background there's the woman in the the burqa also doing some knitting or something. So it's obviously certain things that are going on which are involving a diverse community. It's about understanding, I suppose, yeah, what the barriers are to some activities or, yeah. Mm. Just, yeah, just, uh, just as a, a point. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just um, some, sometimes um, transition, pe people involved in transition perhaps need, need to make a concerted effort to, to involve and to encourage people in different, different backgrounds to, to join in. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in the transition towns because I want to start doing a project on uh, tooting, uh -huh. which is an area I'm really interested in for some reason. <laughs> and there's a trans it's also got a transition town movement. So I'd be interested to see how that might differ from others because tooting sort of um, sells itself as being very diverse mm. and integrated and multicultural. So mm. it'd be interesting to see if the transition town reflects that as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 How it varies across the areas. Yeah. Well, I've got one uh, one bit of experience from Tooting. It's quite <laughs> quite a long way from my house, so yeah. I've only been there once. It took about an hour and a half on the Northern Line, but uh, they had a, they've got a very um, well-developed transition town, and um, they had a like a shop. They took over a shop, so it's like a pop-up shop for a week. And instead of selling things, they were just promoting ideas and exchanging ideas, oh. and even, perhaps even making things as well. So that was quite an interesting, uh, albeit temporary, part of the high street. But yeah, you're right about the, uh, the, the diverse, diversity. And I uh, hadn't realised until I went there that the, the, the street, the high street, is just one big massive curry restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and food shops, like to buy your... Ethnic food shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. And sari shops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. And so how, how have you gone about promoting the work that you've done and, and uh, getting it seen by people and, and published? Well, it's only recently that I feel like I've, I'm, I'm ready to show the Grow Heathrow project mm. again. And I feel like I need to, to get it seen at, at the moment. I feel like it's quite important to, to get it out there. And I've been entering so many competitions in, in the photography world. I think that's quite a good way of exposing work. So I've had a, a bit of limited success in having the, the odd picture accepted into a competition. Mm -hmm. The Vignette Award specifically took, was shortlisted on that and then there's, there was the LIP uh, annual exhibition. Yep. So I'm currently doing that with all sorts of competitions and op open exhibitions. I approached some of the big magazines that I thought might be willing to show the work and they, well it was The Guardian actually, she said to me, be interested in showing it if there's something newsworthy happens there right. and that kind of translates as if the squatters from Grow Heathrow get evicted mm. from the land 
So if that was to happen, I'm sure it would be very, very newsworthy and I'm sure other publications would bend down backwards to, to for pictures. Yeah. But I think it's not really a very newsworthy subject. It's more of a kind of feature. Mm. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's quite hard to get the work shown in a newspaper for that reason. But I'm going to, uh, you know, do the best I can. <laughs> I mean, what about interest groups? You know, have they, have they been interested or, or shown kind of interest and support uh, as a means to kind of promote the the movement yeah obviously yeah i've been in uh, I, I know some of the main people at transition town that have actually um given birth to the movement and mm -hmm. and also there's a newspaper at the moment called transition free press and they've been using some of my Im images which is satisfying yeah and yeah i, I seem to have because um, transition towns they're quite something that, is, as, I, as I mentioned, they're growing in a worldwide scale. So in other countries, I've had, uh, I was approached by a magazine in South Korea to sell them a few pictures. Okay. So things like that have mm. been quite satisfying. It's not, not yeah. been a very money-spinning thing. I've just got a few quid for it. Mm -hmm. But it's nice to know that people are coming to my pictures when yeah. they want to say something about Transition Town. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. definitely. And internationally as well, it's mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you've also had success with the video, yeah, which is great. So you've got the... Yeah, that's right. I dived into video <laughs> a few, few years ago. The best video at the Environmental Photographer of the Year Awards yeah. 2013, which is great. Yeah, so thanks. So tell us about your choice to start sort of doing video. Where did that come from? Well, I think as a, as a freelance photographer, one goes through times of crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, video being a big part of photography now. I, th I think it's... I, I thought it was quite important as a stills photographer to make myself familiar with what I could produce from my camera because you know ha having been being the proud owner of a 5D2 Canon I was under the impression that these cameras produce you know really shit hot um, film so I thought I better get on board and <laughs> see what it's all about yeah. and in doing so find some interesting projects that are worthy of filming and at the time I was interested in transition town so this film that I focused on was all about apple harvesting in my area so that's the that's the story that I chose to focus on what did you think that video kind of could bring to it that your f that photographs didn't mm. couldn't? in a way it was it's kind of like the same same sort of storytelling method that I use that I'm playing stills photography so I feel like this the style was quite similar to how I would shoot but the fact that it was a film and that it had audio mm. made it accessible to the other people that wouldn't necessarily look at photos, like other photographers, for example. So and it can give it a lot more information, can't it? It can. Yeah. 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 And I think there was uh, there was quite a lot of information around that project. It's a wonderful project about apple harvesting, and so it really lent itself well to the story. And what yeah. were some of the sort of technical challenges that you came across with video? Well, I had to start from scratch. Really, it's like a, a new medium. Um, one that I taught myself, so it's more of the technical challenges I think of having to think not just about the visual but having to concentrate on sound mm. which is something that was completely foreign to me and merging, them, merging the two together which was quite a massive learning curve and it's something that took me many, many months sit, sitting in an editing suite and it's still, I still feel like um, I don't really want to spend too much, I don't want to go back to it yet to be right, honest, okay. film, because I, I, from that I think I learned that s still photography is still my, my first love. 
Mm. And I'm more enthusiastic about that than film and than ever really. <laughs> Even after winning that award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But why? Why is that? Is that purely because of the technical side of things? The the amount of time you need to invest in all these different layers, or is it just because you feel that you've got a greater connection with stills photography? Um, I think I like the power of still photography. That one or one image or one set of images can just encapsulate mm. something without having to be too wordy, mm. uh, having to be too verbose. And I think I'm a visual person. Yeah, I just, I just love, I love looking at photos, really. I love mm. looking at images. It's such a simple form of expression, and that's, w that's what makes it so challenging in a way. And I like that challenge. I like the fact that you can kind of have a picture, you can come back to it, you can read so much depth into it by looking looking at it coming you know just by coming back to it really mm. and seeing it in new ways mm. and i think with the likes of grow heathrow where it is such a diverse community and, and there's there's possibly a lot in the picture such as the the cooking image you know that that in a, a moving image piece you're not going to be able to have the time to reflect and, and to see all the different little elements that make up that space whereas at least with a stills image you can as you say go back to it time yeah. and time again and you can just notice different things and I think that in itself will give you a more complete understanding of, of that environment, that, that situation, mm -hmm. that, that place. Yeah, yeah. If it's just a, you know, an image that's uh, shown for a couple of seconds before moving on to the next yeah. one or, or it is just completely moving, you know, not just a slideshow but a moving image. Mm. So yeah, I think, I think when it's something that maybe is quite foreign to a lot of people and stills has a lot of power to kind of engage with the viewer, um, maybe to a greater degree than to moving image. Mm. Yeah, but there's there's always the um, the multimedia presentation, which which mm. the Grow Heathrow project should would really lend itself well to. I think with mm. with a bit of audio, because the, some of the noises of the aeroplane would would probably give it a load of atmosphere and yeah. the yeah, the, the, the sort of lo lo-fi low technological sounds that. They come out of Grow Heathrow. Like, right. I mean, there's there's a lot of musicians there. There's a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. So the music and the people sat around the fire would probably give it another dimension as well. Yeah. yeah. Did you take any video footage at Grow Heathrow? Uh, or no audio? video. No, I've, I've taken the odd sound sound bite yep. here and there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I haven't got to presenting anything yet though. Right. Did you kind of interview people when you were there as well to sort of? an understanding of their journey to grow Heathrow? A few people. People reluctant? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, when you say interview, I, I think it's more about having informal conversations with people. But at length? Um, not, not, not very formally. No, really. yeah. No. Was that just something you weren't really sort of too concerned with doing or did it, was the impression you got that that wouldn't have been received as well? Like it was just, they were more comfortable just having briefer informal chat? Um, I think that sometimes I'm a bit wary of, you know, I, f I feel like I'm being quite intrusive mm. sometimes by pointing my camera at people in that situation if I'm, I'm kind of coming to live with them and I'm, but I'm bringing a camera as well into the mix. So sometimes that's enough for me and I don't want to start. I'd, l I'd love to interview people as well, but sometimes I feel like, you know, photography is what I'm concentrating on, that's what I'm there for. But having said that, I think, um, I think what you're saying would be interesting and there's, there's, there's probably scope for that. 
Yes, well, well, if you start to do more of the portraits as well, it would be interesting to have a kind of a story with that, wouldn't it? To mm. get an understanding of the person yep. and how they got there. Yeah. Um, a question I don't think I, we've asked is, is how he actually got access to Grow Heathrow. Well, Grow Heathrow, they're very open to vis visitors and they encourage people to visit because they've got, they've got a wonderful community to show off, a wonderful kind of eco-village, community garden. So anyone's welcome mm -hmm. there, really. Is anyone welcome to stay the night? Um, if they if they want to, yeah, <laughs> they if, if, if they can cope with the cold, yeah. Well, within reason, I think if if they're there for the right motivation, yeah, they're right, there for the right reason, and they're, they're welcome to stay the night, mm. yeah. So it wasn't a problem for you to to sort of go in there and. It, it wasn't, access. but the whole process of sorry, the whole process of taking pictures is a bit different. I yeah. mean, um, and like I was saying with the transition towns project, it's it's more a case of go, going there, hanging out with them quite a lot before. Again, trust yeah. and the pictures throughout that time have got a lot more intimate mm. because people are there are used to me and they know they know what what I'm doing it for. And I think um, project was published a couple of times in in magazines, and it had some information about what they were doing there, and it was very much told from their perspective and told from their own story. So I think that's one of the things that that lent that heaped a bit more trust on, onto me. Mm. You know, I was there for the right reasons. I wasn't there to kind of exploit them in any way. And have you ever tried uh, participatory photography at all? What do you um, mean by that? So, for example, giving the guys at Grow Heathrow cameras of their own mm. to document their own story from their own perspective mm -hmm. to complement, you know, your body of work and, and how you have represented them through your imagery. Mm. Is that something that would interest you? Mm. I thought about doing a workshop with them. That was something that, that was discussed, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah, it still might happen, yeah. A photography workshop? Yes. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. I think um, the participatory part, I'd, li I'd like to make it more of a, s more of a sort of au audio thing. So right, yeah. I'd love to have, for example, I'd lo they're great musicians. I'd love to have some music that they play. Mm. And and have that have the pictures going on at the same time, yep. and not just music, but also you know just the noises and the talk talking would be great mm. if I could do that. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm not so sure that there's a. Um, I'm always a bit sceptical about whether there's a whether I could get multimedia presentations shown, and far, far less convinced that I'd get paid to to do it. So it sounds like a lot of time if I was to do it to the, you know, to gain the quality that I wanted to to have it. At, but it would be, be just something worthwhile doing yeah. when I find the time. Mm. And the communities, both the Transition Town and, and Grow Heathrow, they're happy for you to profit from the, the stories, that, from the, the, imageries, um, the imagery that you're... I don't really think writing. there's any profit, <laughs> to be honest, with, with what I've been doing because I've put a lot of money into, into the project with mm. film because I, I, I take loads of film and right. get that processed and I've decided specifically to, to do the projects on film because it's it's just it seems to fit in with the the feel the feel right. of the project. Mm -hmm. I don't I've never felt like going there with a digital camera. Mm. Just it feels a bit less you know a bit bit more lo-fi. Yeah. But um, no, I feel like I'm out of pocket <laughs> quite a lot. So if there's any if there's any money that's gained from it, I'd, I'd be happy. You know, if there's a significant money gain from it. I'd be I'd love to sort of share the money take some of it to redeem myself of the costs and yeah. give them some as well. Let them share some of the money. And um, are you working on anything 
Anything else for your personal project now? Have you got something? You, did you mention before you had uh, an idea? I mentioned an idea, but it's not really very evolved yet. So not something I can really talk about no, yet. Yeah. I haven't really developed the idea. Just little things in my head going so off. So things are moment. sort of still in, in draft stage. At the yeah, moment. exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think it's really important to spend some time to try and um, get this project out. Right, so that's your next best focus. Best I can, mm. yeah. And I, I don't know if the world's ready for it, but we'll, s we'll see. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a great time to get projects like this out there. I think we're talking more and more about the need to be more sustainable at a very local level, and especially in London, I think, that people are talking more about how to kind of get back to doing sort of things locally and with the community and sort of greening, greening London. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's a good time to, to be getting it out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But is that not your personal experience? It, because you mentioned The Guardian yeah. and them feeling that it wasn't newsworthy uh, at this moment in time, at least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are you experiencing barriers to, to kind of getting your work out there? Can you maybe? Um, well, it's, it focuses on a group of people that are really on the, on the edge of society in a way. And to get that represented in, in the mainstream media is clearly going to be a challenge. Yeah. Mm. Is this Grow Heathrow or...? Grow Heathrow, I'm thinking, yeah. more. Yeah. Grow Heathrow is what I've spent, invested much, much yeah, more time yeah. in than transition towns. But um, so I've sort of evolved a lot as a photographer doing the projects and maybe I, I may, as I mentioned, I might sort of change the style of the, the next project a bit. When you kind of started off, because it was two and a half years ago, yeah. you were saying, and I assume that in that time, as you pointed out yourself that you've evolved as a photographer quite significantly over that period of time. So do you yourself see significant variation in terms of the imagery that you're taking at the beginning relative mm. to what you're producing now? Yeah, well it's definitely a lot more standoffish at the beginning, so right. the distance, whether it be sort of geographical or um, within relationships, that's dissolved a lot since the beginning. Mm -hmm. In a more general way, I think it's been interesting because at, at the beginning of these projects, which more or less started at the same time, I was using, uh, that's when I first adopted the Mamiya and going back to film camera. Mm -hmm. So that was all very, it felt like it was very potluck in a way, like, you know, didn't know what I was doing, I had to manu manually focus again. Right, yeah. So that was a big learning curve yeah. mm. at the beginning and now I feel so much more confident with, with that camera. Mm -hmm. And in terms of composition and style and the likes, mm. is that also true of, of that aspect of the imagery uh, and your approach? I think I've become more focused with, so with Grow Heathrow, is that pictures are a lot more general about people getting on with activities, more of a reportage style, and now it's, I'm interested in, or ha have been interested specifically in portraits and, and pe people within their environment, mm. people within that, specifically that environment when they've built their own dwellings. So that's, I think as I've developed it, that's become what's the most, I've, I thought to myself, what's the most interesting thing about Grow Heathrow? Mm -hmm. And for me, that probably is it, you know. A lot of people kind of come in there for a day or like a week and they take pictures of what's going on, but I think it's, maybe it's my more maturing as a photographer that I, I said stop for a minute and just kind of take, take stock and see what's the most interesting mm. thing that's going on. The edit of images that's on your website, Yeah. Um, in what period has that kind of been selected from then? Is it sort of the last half of your um, work out there? That's an interesting question. I think, um, think that's 
includes pictures right from the beginning actually mm. yeah so and in in a way that's what makes it quite interesting because it's it gives you perspective of, of Grow Heathrow over time over two and a half years mm. and it's only been there for about three and a half years so that place right. has evolved and as my photography's uh, evolved hopefully as well. So it's quite a sort of conscious choice that, that to, to pick pictures from? I don't think that was conscious choice okay. that, that was with help from my friends right they just they picked that without knowing when these pictures were taken right. so I suppose I've, I've evolved my style to to suit how I thought what was needed for that project so maybe it's kind of uh, natural to, to start off by taking pictures that are a bit more distant anyway and then uh, to, yeah. to get more get closer in and really to force oneself to get closer in so with a project like that and at the same time the project as a whole benefit from that you know you, you have different perspectives mm. and different approaches so they probably actually complement one another yes yeah. which is maybe the benefit of a long-form project is that you know you evolve as a person your connection with the community or, or subject matter evolves as well and all these different things mean that the the work the final body of work is going to be very diverse yeah. and very rich and but some yeah. photographers might choose to edit out the beginning images they might and they yeah. because they feel they've evolved and they're at where they want to be now so I think it's really good to have to have got the range in there mm -hmm. yeah yeah but it maybe paints a more complete picture as a consequence yeah exactly yeah. you've got the standoffish global view but then also the very intimate more mm -hmm. personal yeah um, and and both accurately portray reality in that community mm -hmm. uh, just in a different way and yeah. your journey as well which is combined mm. isn't it mm. yeah and did you find the fact that it was such a transitory group you say that a lot of people pass through did you find that challenging to actually build up relationships with these individuals mm. because if they were just passing through mm. then you're kind of constantly starting from scratch as it were mm. on some levels I think it was good and bad really because um, I think there was a there's a sort of backbone of people at, at Grow Heathrow since I've been since I started mm -hmm. and they've think they, they change more gradually than than you're implying so people typically I think pe people spend maybe a year there All right, and okay. then uh, but having said that there's always exceptions and there's there's one one person that's maybe been there for two, two or three years mm -hmm. so I think it brings it's good for good for Grow Heathrow because it's brought new new blood and new ideas and new enthusiasm but it's quite a hard place to live as well mm. so people often kind of spend half a week there and half a week somewhere else right yeah that's interesting I didn't realize that they were kind of part-time residents as well <laughs> mm. I wonder where else they live like in a studio apartment in the city uh, <laughs> I don't think so no but, no uh, <laughs> you never know yeah. no there's uh, there's a few other people that live in squats in mm. In mm. within London and people have got relatives that they spend time with as well some of the people are actually students so right. yeah. living, li living closer to university presumably mm. sharing sharing flats I suppose the good thing about having the transitions means that photographically it's um, interesting cause it can be more diverse because mm -hmm. you're not just seeing the same faces all the yeah. time which in one way is challenging but yeah. in another way means that you've got new stories new portraits yeah. agreed yeah 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 and that worked quite well for me yeah with, with Heathrow because I think this, the same people I would have would have got a bit, you know, they could reach their limit to how many people, how many times they've been photographed. Mm. To wrap up, I think, uh, can you recommend a photographer whose work you admire and who's also kind of focusing on local issues? You know, it can be anybody in the world, but mm. uh, focusing on issues local to them or um, stories local to them. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, should it be about sustainability or no? no. Any well, I mean, Simon Roberts is quite a well-known photographer, and he started off photographing in Russia. I think he made a one wonderful book called Motherland, and his wife is actually a Rus Russian speaker. But since he did that book, he he's been concentrating on England. He did a book called We English, which. Um, I thought it was very inspiring. He basically took a large format camera round, round with a camper van, mm -hmm. round the whole country, and photographed people within the landscape. And I think it's a really good, good record of our time in England, a, re a good record of the landscape, and also how people kind of engage with the landscape. Mm -hmm. It's not too much of it, it's about cities, but it's about the country as a whole. And I like the way he works, I like the way he He's quite slow and he's got this large format camera where he obviously considers the light a lot before he presses the ex exposure mm. button. And pictures are just really good. And I think he's very, uh, you know, I, li I like him because he's very successful at marketing and selling his work as well. I find that very inspiring about him. Mm -hmm. And um, have you recently been to see um, an exhibition uh, that you can recommend? And what is next on your list of things to see? Uh, I have to think about that because there, there hasn't been an inspiring exhibition for a little while. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a few new ones out that I haven't seen yet. What <coughs> kind of exhibitions inspire you? I don't know if there's a, there's a kind of exhibition that inspires me, but maybe it's something that I haven't seen before that's very involved in, in one way or another mm. and something that's put, put together in, in an artistic way. Um, can anyone prompt me on a <laughs> re recent <laughs> London exhibition? The Pre-Picte, maybe? Um, the la last one, that was, was quite a long time ago, wasn't mm. it? In, in, um, it was in Saatchi. Saatchi Gallery, yeah. This no, that was Somerset. Yeah, you're this right. This is actually just the commissions, you know, it's not the full... Oh, no, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. this is just... Okay. The, there's, a, there's the Pre-Picte commissions over in Somerset House. Yeah. It's quite small. Hmm. Some really good images there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got Simon Norfolk. Mm. And and others. Yeah. Um, yes, it, it's small, but it's it's worth having a, l a look at. And mm. Yeah, yeah. Some, some strong images there. Yeah, but the uh, pre pre picte, which was last year now in mm. uh, Saatchi Gallery, was was wonderful. It was a really high quality of work, as you can expect for for a massive prize competition like that. But yeah. it was it was all on a very you know, topical theme. Yeah. It was on power, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and power, and yeah. it had so many different appro approaches to power and some fantastic work mm. by the likes of, what's it, Ed, the, guy, the guy from Guantanamo Bay. He's called Ed, Ed Thompson, I'm not yeah. sure, sorry. But yeah, all really good. And out of interest, actually, are there other photographers who have been documenting sustainability that you've gained inspiration mm. from at all? I'm aware of a few photographers mm -hmm. that that do that kind of focus on similar themes. I mean, ah, oh, there's a there's a good name, Bertinsky. Yeah. Oh Edward. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. He he's a photographer that he obviously does things on a massive scale, mm. and I find his pictures quite artistic because mm. they a lot of the a lot of his landscapes, most of his work is landscape, whether it be urban or city, urban or rural. It's it can be very abstract, mm. so I it can take take yeah. a while to realise what it is, mm. see what it is, and I like when the, when a viewer has to do some work. 
Yeah, he's he's a very he's a very good photographer. Yeah, he's very much about the people's impact on the landscape, isn't he? Yeah. And he's also done video, actually. Yeah. He's got his film, Manufactured Landscapes, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Well, his latest body of work is actually um, being exhibited in the Flowers Gallery. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. It's on water. So he's kind of doing all the elements, as it were. Um, or, well, not elements, but sustainability and, and the environment. So mm. this one's on water. And there is going to be another documentary on the making of his body of work right. by the same director who did uh, manufacturing landscapes. Mm. Manufacturing landscapes, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's another one to go and see, possibly. I haven't seen it yet myself, yeah. but I'm sure it'll be worth checking out. And where can people find your work? Online or? Uh, I've got a website, which is johngoldberg.co.uk. And Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just Google your name. Yeah. <laughs> yep. John Goldberg, Mr. John Goldberg, actually on Twitter. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, it's really um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for yours. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening. Thanks for listening to the Documentary Photography Review podcast. You can find Jonathan's work at johngoldberg.co.uk. Our links to his work and to the other artists, exhibitions and organisations mentioned in this podcast are listed in the show notes available on the Documentary Photography Review website at www.documentaryphotoreview.com forward slash podcasts. We release the podcast on the 1st and 15th of every month and have some great interviews coming up. So to make sure you don't miss out, subscribe via iTunes. If you don't use iTunes, then you can download each episode from the Documentary Photography Review website, and we are working on making them available through as many platforms as possible. If you know of a documentary photographer working on local stories anywhere in the world, then email us at chris at documentaryphotoreview.com and we will endeavour to get them on the show. If you are a documentary photographer yourself and would like to have your work showcased on the site, then again get in touch via email. The photo essays on the website don't have to be about a local issue where you live or where you're from. They can be about anything as long as they are documentary in nature. Finally, please spread the word about the podcasts and share them with others you think might be interested. And do consider leaving a comment and review via iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> <laughs>